Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number eight of the Success Series. I am your host, David Berg. I'm here alongside our co-host, Michael Kanovsky. And our guest of honor today is Human Nachbubi. Human is a real estate icon in Los Angeles, California, primarily in Beverly Hills. He started his career in a private firm where he worked for many years and then sold his shares back to that company and moved on to the conglomerate JLL, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. He had a lifelong of successes there for the last eight years and has now moved on to CBRE, where he looks to extend a new chapter in his life. The stage is yours. If you could just give us a little bit of background and extend on what we uh, we introduced you as. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me today on your show. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Um, I've always been in the real estate world. Um, my family has always been in real estate, so I grew up in that business. Since I was a five-year-old, six-year-old, and I would wear the hard hat with my father and uncles and go to the various sites of development that they were part of. So uh, real estate has always been part of my pedigree and who I am, and I grew to enjoy it and love it. And what I'm doing today is really based on all my years of experience, learning, um, and uh, just being part of that whole world of real estate. When you were younger, did you know real estate was going to be your destiny? You know, I started realizing that in high school. Before that, like any other kid who has big dreams, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. Very different from real estate. Very different. Real estate. Uh, but I was always a huge fan of the underdog. I still am because it allows people to come together and bring the best out in people. Uh, so when I did realize I wanted to go to real estate, I made that my goal and I further stepped into that field with my schooling. I went, to, I graduated from the University of Southern California uh, Business School um, and then came into real estate, but then did a U-turn, left real estate for 10 years and went to the entertainment business. Really? Because I realized that um, when I entered the real estate world, it was being in management and learning everything, which is wonderful. That's where you want to start. But after that, I was tired of listening of people complaining all the time and not being happy about what was going on and you're constantly taking care of their needs, but never they're never happy anyway. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. So I realized at the age of 24, I'm very limited. I want to do something unlimited and something that's more impactful. And I ventured out into the entertainment world, which is in fact very similar to real estate. Why? Because you take a property, which is a script, sure, and you package it, you put all the pieces together from funding to the actor, the director, the producer, you bring everything together and you have a final product to be able to show. Um, but I quickly realized that as passionate as I was in inspiring and bringing out the best people and people and opening their hearts and entertainment being that vehicle, that it's not as you would think because you're dealing with a lot of situations and people that make it challenging. Sure. And being that the business itself is very challenging, unless you're in the system, it's going to be very hard. So after a 10-year run in that and before getting married, I realized I needed a real job. Hmm. So I decided to go back to the real estate business. Right. But this time not as a limited role of being a manager or being in management, but becoming a deal maker. Were you writing or producing in the entertainment business? No, what I was doing, I was raising money through 
actually various different real estate companies that I knew of and other people, other businesses that wanted to have fund money to put into the entertainment business. And I would option scripts and package deals. Uh, but it, was, it wasn't something for me at the time. Right. I met incredible people. Um, and who knows? Maybe the work that I did back then will lead to something great right. in the future that we can determine. But all that hard work, if it's meant to be, could turn into something spectacular one day. Absolutely. You mentioned going to University of Southern California prior. Was that always something in your family growing up that was a must? Was it something that you desired to do? You know, when you realize that your cousins and uncles and friends have gone there and your family says, we'd love for you to be part of the family business, and uh, you start interning from high school and then in college, instead of being part of any fraternity or anything, the days that I didn't go to school, I'd come and work in the family business and learn more and more about it. And I did start in the mailroom from the high from high school, so nothing was given to me. Okay. Everything was learned from the bottom, you know, going to the top, which I would suggest and recommend to everyone in any field of endeavor. Learn everything about everything in that business. So when you're part of it and you're trying to eventually delegate and make it or have a successful business, you know how every part of the business works. Right. And so I started there and eventually grew into doing what I did. And uh, after saying, okay, this is not what I want to do, I wasn't happy anymore. Eventually, under the entertainment world, when I came back to real estate, I got my uh, license, sales license, and eventually started my own boutique firm that I turned back over to my partners in 2016 when I joined JLL. Got it. And in doing so now, I'm sure, as you know, almost every aspiring 20-year-old has thought about real estate, considered being a real estate agent, broker, or at some capacity. Is it easier today or harder today than it was when you got started to enter the field? I would tell you, that's a great question. I would tell you it's probably harder today because there are more people doing it. Um, uh, back then, you had a limited number of people in the business. Uh, but now it's much more competitive field, much more competitive field. Uh, so it's more difficult now. Uh, and technology is so vastly available that you can work from anywhere, right? any place. So it's all about the intangibles that come into place. I tell people real estate is not the rocket science business. It's the people business. It's your idea of service to serve to be a conduit, to be a bridge, to have a very high level of EQ, to know how to treat people, to understand their personalities or characters, and to make sure that you're always thinking about your clients first uh, before they come and reach out to you. You're not, they're not chasing you, you're chasing them. Right. And when uh, people in the real estate world feel that and sense that, or in any business, but especially in the service business, they know that you are keeping them in mind and they're priority to you, that they're part of your daily life, that you genuinely care and their livelihood is in your hands and you want to get the job done for them. It isn't just a deal looking to... It's not just a deal. If you're looking to just make money, yeah. forget the, about it. Not the right place for you. Not the right place for you. You first have to make sure it makes sense for you financially before you take on any 
deal or project or contract or endeavor, once you do, you don't think about that at all. You make sure that you and your client are on the same page and the end results are exactly what they want. Now, you may not always achieve that because there's so many other circumstances that are in play that you don't control. But as long as you give it your best and you do everything humanly possible with the best of intentions and you're always honest and you have the best interest of all parties involved, the result at that point will be everything that it's supposed to be. You mentioned previously working in your family business. For those that don't know, your family has a very successful right, hierarchy of businesses, both in Beverly Hills and Los Angeles. Was that intimidating growing up? Was there a constant feeling, can I create my own path given my family's success? If you could elaborate you know, on that. It's, it's a great question because when you're in the painting, you can't see what others see outside, okay. right? So when you're in it, it's a whole different lens that you wear. Um, but I really had the opportunity to see both sides because working with my father and uncles, who were all my mentors, who really taught me uh, most everything I know today, uh, there was no free handouts. You had to earn everything. You had to work for it. You had to really make an effort. And you had to have a sense of appreciation. So even if they were hard on you, you would never take it personally because you knew it was for your growth, for your betterment, right? To become better. The school of hard knocks, as they say. Right. Right? So you can never take things personally. Uh, you know, you would have to take it with the understanding that you want to become better. You want to know where your weak spots are. You want to know where you need to improve. Uh, and you take it all in. You take just like great athletes of our time. Why they're so successful? Because they are willing to listen. They're willing to learn. They're willing not to be affected by their ego. They take constructive criticism and they take it to the next level. They parlay that into something greater. So that's the type of uh, consciousness and perspective we have to have in anything that we do. You mentioned ego. Where's the line between being confident and standing for what you believe in? but then also not being so uptight with who you think you are that you don't allow feedback and people to give. That's a great question. It's it's the million dollar. Everybody's always asking. Everyone's always, there's a very, uh, you know, fine line, a thin line between the two. I think there's something called good ego, which is confidence, which is knowing your talents, your capabilities, what you're able to do, to know that no one has what you have. Like if our fingerprint were unique in our own way, and to own that and to know what your potential is. At the same time, you will never disrespect or abuse that. You will treat people with the utmost level of uh, human dignity and humility. You'll be firm when you need to. You'll be confrontational when you need to. You'll get your point across. And people may not like you. Not everyone may like you. But if everyone likes you, then you're not doing something, you're, you're doing something wrong, right? You can't be a people pleaser. You have to challenge people. You have to stand up to people, especially when you know what's right and good for the greater good. And I think that's a fine line, you know, to, again, believe in yourself, to own it, do it with confidence, get the job done. I always tell people, if you want to know a person at the highest level, be all the things that you want them to be to you. What does that mean? If you want to know if someone's honest, loving, and kind, 
be all those things because then they can never fake that. It becomes a clear filtration system, like the clearest MRI that you can think of that shows the exact nature and identity of that person. Really? It and brings it out within them? Completely, because they can never fake that. When you are those things, you will immediately be able to see what the other side is. So anything that you want, including your negotiations, businesses, whatever it is that you're doing, it doesn't mean that you're giving anything away. It sure. doesn't mean that you're sharing information that you shouldn't, that gives a competitive edge to someone. That's a different way of, that's a different strategy for different things. Sure. But if you want to get to know a situation or person, whether it's a relationship with a loved one, who you want to have a marriage with, business partner, friends, new acquaintances, whatever it is, that's the greatest filtration system to be those things. Right. Not to be jaded, not to be masked, not to be guarded, but to be aware. You have to be aware. If you have the awareness, everything will come clear to you. Beautiful. Michael and I are always talking, especially when we started this podcast, we've, we quickly got hate or uh, constructive criticism, you can call it. Um, and I spoke to him and we were saying, you know, is this something that we should evaluate and, and tweak? And Michael's opinion was, no, look, this is destined to happen, like you said. And if it's coming in, it's an indication that we're doing well. Exactly. But when do you, when do you say, okay, we're not perfect. I'm sure there's something I can learn from everybody. When do you implement that? How, I find it really hard to discern between the two. You know, I think, especially when you start something new, right, you want to hear what everyone has to say and to take in their opinions and suggestions to study it, okay? And then you put that on the forefront. You have that mm -hmm. as your footnotes. Then you go along the path of doing what you need to do in what you believe is the right thing, and you give it your all. There comes a point where you understand, is this for me or isn't it? Does it resonate with me? Does it go hand in hand with my DNA and blueprint? Is it disruptive in my life or is it harmonious? You know, is it on the same frequency of everything that I'm doing? Does it come hand in hand with what I'm doing? Once you have that sense of peace and comfort and knowing that, okay, this is what I need to do, then when you look at the feedback, then you'll see which make sense and which don't, mm. which are real, which aren't, which are from the best of intentions and which aren't, right? Because there's a lot of, you know, as we talk about in the metaphysical world, the right. ballistic language, the evil eye, yep. there's jealousy, you know, it's part of human nature, right? But that's part of the evolution of humanity. We all have things of that within us. That's why we're here to become better, right? right? The harder we work on ourselves, the harder we work on knowing who we are and what we are and what our identity is and owning that, the much clearer all the feedback around us comes. Mm. Again, so you don't have to even be confused about it at that point. Everything becomes clear because you're doing the work that involves you. Right. And if you have a system or a platform that can never be shaken, because of your resist resiliency, because of your strength, because your connection to your heart and soul, because of your consciousness, right? All these things play a role in dealing with what we call the physical entity, the physical world, right? It's a very chaotic, constant up and down world. But what allows us to partake in two parallel universes at the same time is exactly that. How are we within ourselves? 
how are we putting ourselves in a position where we're constantly transforming and becoming better and being who we're meant to be? Right. You know? Completely. To pivot on what you said earlier about the family business, I was speaking with somebody, I think he was 18 or 19, about a year ago. His family is very successful. They're public figures. And he was saying that in, throughout his entire childhood, and now he feels like he'll never have his own lane. He'll always be the son of. He doesn't have a platform to express himself. And he still is unsure what he wants to do with his life. He's only 18, 19 years old. When you were that age, what advice could you give to somebody that's still navigating through life and isn't in tune enough with themselves to make decisions, feel comfortable within themselves? I would say try it first. Try it. Because there comes a time where we're very confused about what people want for us and what we want for ourselves. And the only way to know it is to roll up your sleeves, get your hand and feet wet, and go into the trenches and know for yourself. Because as I mentioned earlier, the greatest temple in the world is our own, our connection to the universe and the creator and us. No one has that relationship. No one knows what's best for us more than we do ourselves. But we have to tap into that state, right? It's like our body is the greatest pharmacy in the world. Any healing that we need, we're capable of doing. Mm. But the question is, are we tapping into it? Same with that. So if an individual is stuck between what they want and what their family wants, maybe what they want and what their family wants is one and the same. But because it's being enforced on them or it's being pushed, and human's nature is part of what we do, is we want to rebel, right? Because we're not sure and we're not we're being influenced. It's normal. So one has to step back, not be reactive. Right. And say, you know what? I'm going to try both. And then I'll determine what the best decision is for me. And that's what I did. I, I tried both. I did what I thought was for me. And then I thought it wasn't. But then I came, did a full circle, came back to it. And I realized it's one, it was really one and the same at the end. Right. You see? What should you do when you're tapped into who you really are? That everything you just mentioned, that like, you're connected to the creator, you know what you really want to do in life, but you're not getting the results that you expected to get or you wanted to get. How can you still continue in that truth and get the results? Or what should you do? Well, that's a very complicated question because maybe the results that you're not getting is a sign that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, right? So you exhaust it to a point where you know you've given it your all, but it's okay to realize that what you thought was for you is not for you, right? But you know, you 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 do whatever you can to make sure that you've done everything humanly possible, and at that point, say, you know what? It's okay. I be I learned something. I became better, and there's no shame in saying, I thought this was for me and it wasn't, so I move on. You know, Thomas Edison, when he finally made the discovery of the light bulb, you know, it took him 10,000 failures. And people would say like, what are you going to stop? You know, what are you going to say? This, Maybe this it's not working. a good example because I don't want anyone to stop 10,000, but I'm right. thinking more as a metaphor. Sure. But he said, I, I just learned 10,000 things that didn't work, right? That's a very rare situation. I'm not saying that you, me, and others should do that, but that's just an example of saying, you know what, you'll know, you'll know. But you don't want to be in a bubble. And a lot of times people do things out of fear. 
or they do things because they don't want the truth to be shown, right? That is a, you know, self-inflicted wound that will make that individual be stuck. Right. Speaking of fears, when you were younger, what are some key fears that you overcame to allow you to manifest what you did today? I think, look, you always have to feel failure, right? What people are going to think of you, not being good enough, not having given it your all. Um, you know, what am I going to do next? Uh, but that's all normal, right? But as you continue in your process, you realize that fear is part of the process, but you can let it paralyze you. You can't. You have to know that that is part of it, but you're going to make it become your partner. Mm, interesting. Elaborate on that. No, you're going to have a great what, dance. What do you look like? Like, for example, you're like, okay, I have a goal, right? I have a project I want to work on. There's always a chance of failure, and there's a chance that you're going to, you know, uh, lose different things. But they're calculated, right? You're like, okay, if I if I lose some money here, or if the project doesn't get done, it's not going to be to a point that it's going to affect me, and I'm going to lose everything. It's a calculated risk, right? But then you say, okay. I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on making it happen and being positive and, and, and making sure every angle is taken care of the way it's supposed to. And the way you overcome the fear is that you embrace and accept that whatever the result is, is what it's meant to be. So what we want and what is really the truth of what it's supposed to be is the big difference that determines how we move forward. That's, that's a very Kabbalistic principle that you mentioned, which is completely surrendering to what we call the light, to the creator. There's many names for it. Were you always spiritual growing up? And then how did you pivot to Kabbalah? Where did that open? You know, it's a great, you know, I always was spiritual because I would say things to my mom at the age of seven, eight, nine. I would ask her questions or say things. And she's like, you know, the things that you're saying are so unique and different. I, I, and I don't have the answers and I need to find someone who can, you know, answer them for me, guide you. And so at the age of 15, I was fortunate enough to, through her, through my mom, meet a modern day yogi who taught me the the art of relaxation and meditation and brought in the uh, Eastern principles and philosophies of India and China. And uh, I learned a lot about that. And it really went hand in hand with my essence of inner peace and calmness and meditation. Um, and uh, before I got married, uh, when I started dating my wife, who's now I'm married to, uh, she asked me if I'd be interested in going to Kabbalah with her because she was fascinated uh, by that field of spirituality. And uh, I said, of course. But prior to that, my aunt and uncle who had been in Kabbalah three, four years prior would have private uh, teachings in their home, and I went a few times, so I really didn't connect. But when my wife came to me and said, I want to learn more about the spiritual side of Judaism, will you come with me to Kabbalah Center? I said, absolutely. I said, in fact, you know, I know a little about it, but I would love to go with you. But the funny thing is, from the first moment I went there, I felt like it was my home. I connected to the wisdom instantly, I felt like I'd been there before. 
It was part of who I am. So it wasn't something like, oh, I'm going to learn something new. It's something that I knew that I may have forgotten, right? That was being revealed again to me. Absolutely. And what, what was your initial reaction to it? Like what you, you said it made you feel at home. But you know, when you realize, when you realize that um, Kabbalah is the teaching and wisdom to the entire world, you know, there should be no religion, that Kabbalah is a universal language of spirituality and humanity, and you realize that it's the blueprint, that you're being given this gift, the blueprint of life is in your hands, and everything that you need through your hard work, dedication, desire, to decode this map of life, it's the greatest gift in the world. That's why as many people as possible should be privy to this wisdom and not only to study it, but to make it part of their lives, to live it, to live it. Because what greater gift is that? Now I understand when they say the Israelites were the chosen people, right? What that means is not that we're better than anyone else, but that we have the responsibility and obligation to share this wisdom with the entire world. This Ogalagoim in the Torah says to be the light resonations. It's not that you're better. It's not that you're greater. Right. It's that because you embraced it, because you had the understanding and the consciousness of how valuable this gift was, it is now your a must, an obligation to the highest level that you share this with the world. Whether people decide to embrace it or not, that's up to them. But it's our job to open the door for them. And I think you're a living example of, I know I'm, you're active on your social medias with posts and content that you've experienced in Kuala oh, out there. But even oh, on the business side, you're, you've been a mentor to me for sure. And I know you're happy to help really any aspiring 20-year-old individual. Where did that desire for you come from to share your light with others? You know, I've always had the desire to make a difference in people's lives, to be a force of influence to bring the best out in them, to inspire them. And the greatest language that I've always known, it's a gift that I was born with, is the language of love. You know, there's no greater attribute in this world than love. I've always loved people. I've always loved myself. <laughs> I love the people. Dot <laughs> com. So, so uh, for me, uh, it went hand in hand with knowing that, you know, even though you can have all the wisdom and knowledge in the world and you can be the greatest of what you do, but if you don't have the understanding of love and that connectivity of connecting to people's hearts and making them feel the way that they don't even know how to feel because sometimes it's hard for them to connect to that, but everyone has it, everyone, all of us. So I just like to you know, give a little taste or feel of it and just say, you already are love. That's who you are. That's what you are. And it just goes hand in hand with that. It comes to the fact that I feel that uh, we're all here to make a difference in people's lives and to understand that there's no greater relationship in this world that between and among human beings. That as independent as we are, we're interdependent. We need each other. That we are a composition of everything and everyone around us. So anyone's greatness or success has to do with all the people around them. I just happen, 
you just happen, you just happen to be the carrier or the gatekeeper or the conduit or the channel or the trustee of that end goal, but that involves everyone else to be part of that. Mm. And my desire to connect to people and bring out the best of them and make a difference in this world, you know, to share as much goodness and love and kindness is really the the driving force for me. Beautiful. And you can do that in any field, you know, whether it's business, your personal life, with your family, your friends, your community. But there's a very key caveat to that, very important point. How you are in your own world will determine everything else that you want to do in the real world. So everything that you're saying, how are you when you're with yourself? How are you with your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends, your coworkers? How are you when no one's watching you? Mm -hmm. You know. So in order to do everything that we're talking about, first make sure you have that within you because that's where the work begins. If you don't have that, you're gonna have all the lofty goals in the world and all the wealth in the world, it won't mean anything. We spoke about that before we recorded, and you mentioned that the 20-year-old decade of your life is when you have to experience the most amount of things and take the opportunities that are there. Where does the fear of not amounting to something, the expectations that are set on from your family to make something happen very early on, how can you balance the two where you're still experiencing, you're still having a great time in your 20s as you should without pushing out those goals and you know, being in your mid to late 30s without a real success no, under your no. belt? Well, you have to know that there's an era in every decade, right? There's something, the theme in every decade, there's a specific theme. We have to make sure we're consistent with that. So our 20s, when we graduate from college or university, is the 10-year period that we're discovering ourselves, mm -hmm. our goals, our relationships, who we want to be, what we want to be, who are we? And I would tell you that it's very important in a healthy way to go out there in addition to working hard, working on yourself, having fun, knowing who you are, to have as many experiments as possible and to know that there's no such a thing as failure, that it's all positive results because the results that you get will give you the answers that you want. Mm. Your 30s to 40s is the decade that you want to really settle down know who your wife or husband's going to be, know what your career is about, start a family. It's the pillars and the foundation for your next 20 to 30 years. But 20 to 30, take that time to really discover yourself and experience life to the fullest and try things because it's the only, not the only, but the perfect time to fail and to learn from those failings. The risk is lower than you have, right? Thankfully. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, because you've given it your best, you're trying something. To become successful, you have to go through all those hardships. You know, it's part of uh, defining who we are at the end of the day. Sure. We've heard the professional and spiritual side of human. What do you do for fun? You know, my biggest fun is being with my family my three beautiful kids and my wife, any free time that I get, I love being with them. I love spending time with them. Uh, they're my biggest joy in life. 
uh, you know, life gets in the way. We get very busy with our careers, with what we do. And uh, time, to, you know, for myself, obviously, it's very important, very important to, you know, uh, meditate, pray, uh, work out, read, connect to nature, you know, all the things that help me be who I'm meant to be and be the best that I can be. Um, uh, so that's really, you know, I'm, I'm not that complicated when it comes to enjoying the simple things of life. That's apparent in your consistent smile when I see you. (laughs) That's the foundation of everything that I am. And, you know, if I say that if I can forever be with the people that I love, you know, and to be blessed every day, uh, to be alive and to do what I'm doing, I'm the happiest man in this world. Because when you're in that state of mind, there's nothing that you cannot do. And appreciation is the key ingredient to it all. Appreciation is everything. We can have that and live that on a daily basis. Then everything is acceptable to us at that point. So profound. And unfortunately, it's often not spoken about, right? Not spoken about. We take things for granted. We feel entitled. But we never look at how grateful we should be for our blessings. And the more grateful we are, the more comes your way because then you lead by example. You know, more will be given to you because you become that instrument to do more for others. Right. You know, uh, but um, that's very, very important. Very important. If there is something that somebody or most people don't know about you that you'd love to share with the world or with them, what would that one thing be? (laughs) That's a good point. You know that I have... uh, as as uh, fun and loving and 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 kind and uh, uh, you know appreciative I, as I am, there's a uh, fierce competitive side of me. Really, a a not giving up, you know. Um, and when I put my mind to something to get it done, I feel like most teenagers, especially today, people even you know young adults, a lot of them think, "Oh, I failed in this. This will be like this forever." It's like, no, you, you did a failure, right? Which we know are really lessons. You learn from it and you move on. And that's how you grow. That's how you adapt. But I think like to understand that it's not forever, that it passes, I think. It's, it passes. Everything passes. It passes. Um, but And I would tell you that just to end the, on, a, on a very positive note, that the greatest attribute that we can have really above everything we talked about is kindness. Because kindness has no expectation of wanting something in return. It's the most genuine act that a human being could do for no reason. And that that would be my advice to all people of the world. And you're clearly a living example you know, of that. So Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. We look forward to having you on soon. And as always, thank you for tuning in. This is episode number eight. With the Human Machlubi. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Anytime you come to Beverly Hills or Los Angeles, have a look out for him. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have him back on again soon. As always, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment, and share with your friends. Thank you, guys.